This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us here this weekend. And uh, can we just give it up uh, for, uh, we have a couple of worship leaders here from the Action Church. They're a church plant that we support that's getting ready to launch in January. And, uh, and so Kristen and, and uh, Parker, who are both on the outside here, are from the Action Church. And they were just here helping to lead us this weekend. And can we give it up for them? Because they did a great job this morning for us. We're excited about what God is doing in that church and what they're going to do in Orlando. It's going to be an incredible, incredible thing. But uh, this week we're diving back into the series called Let Hope In that we started last week. And we're really believing that this series is going to be a transformational opportunity for a lot of people. Because in this season of time, you know, it's a great time for us to reflect back on this past year. And also at the same point to reflect and think about what our future is going to look like. And last week, we talked about the fact that in this series, we're going to have four choices that we all need to make for our lives, that we all need to to come to a, a, a defining point for each one of us. And we talked about how so many times in our lives, the thing that is holding us back from living out the purpose and the plan that God has for your life and the plan that God has for my life is the unforgettable past. Those things, the mistakes that we've made, the sin that we've gotten ourselves into, maybe things that have happened to you that you didn't even choose to be a part of your life. And and we talked about the choice last week that all of us are gonna have to make. And and that's with the pain and the suffering and the hurt and all those things that we've had in our life. We have the choice to choose to transform that pain by giving it to God, or we can continue to transfer that pain to other people. And it's so easy for us to just transfer it because if if we hold on to it, it's going to impact every single aspect of our lives. And we talked about this whole idea that our past is not our past if it's still impacting our present. And so if we're still dealing with that stuff and it's still coming up and it's still kind of rearing its ugly head within our lives, then man, it is still, it is something that is very, very tangible in our lives. And it's not really our past because it is right now and in the moment. And so we talked about the fact that, man, we got we to gotta stop denying those things and we got to start recognizing what is that thing. We got to identify that thing in our life and we have to choose to either keep that thing or we can give it up to God. And we talked about it last week. The first step is, is recognizing what that is and giving it up to God. And this week, the choice that all of us are going to have to make, if you're taking notes out there, is, is you're going to have to make the choice of, choose, of choosing this idea that it's okay to not be okay. And at our church, one of the things that we have uh, said from day one is that we want to be a place where it's okay to not be okay, where you can come in jacked up, messed up, full of problems, and you don't have to put on this facade, you don't have to put on this, this uh, mask, you don't have to wear all these things, but this can be a place where it's okay to not be okay, because this is what I know about all of us. All of us have something in our lives that's messed up. And the awareness that, uh, of our past for us doesn't always come easy, but the denial of our past does come very easy. It's very easy for us to just kind of take some stuff and put it away and kind of act like it's not there and put on the game that we've got it all together. And we're really, really quick to bury those emotional pains, those emotional hurts. We're really quick to just kind of hide that stuff in our lives rather than going through it and, and dealing with that stuff. And to further complicate it, 
to further make, to make it even worse is that in the church and in Christian circles, there's kind of been this pervasive mentality that we're supposed to kind of have it all together. If you've been in church for any period of time, you know, that it, like, it, it's almost like we don't want to deny, we don't want to talk about the fact that we all experience pain and we all experience hurt in a real and authentic way. And so what we do is, is we find Christ, if you, if you found Christ, or maybe you haven't found Christ, and what you do is you come in here and you put on all kinds of masks and you kind of hide behind the facade. You know, you, you act like you got it all together. You ring in a really, really big Bible because that makes you holier than the person that's using their phone and you look down on them. And and you, and you just do all these things to try to put on the facade of, of that everything is good, but don't ever ask questions about the pain and experience that you're feeling right now. Don't, don't be a burden to people and, and don't act like, and, and, don't, and don't ever reveal the hurt that you're experiencing because that would just be not, not cool. And, and I'm not sure where it comes from or where it even originates from, but for some reason, I think that a lot of us, the reason we go through that idea and we come in with that mentality is, is because we have a fear. We have a fear that uh, we're going to be found out for who we really are. And, and, and I don't know why that being who we really are is a bad thing. Because I started last week by asking this question of, do you like who you're becoming? And if we're not honest about who we are, then how are we ever going to become the person that God's called us to be if we can't start from a place of, this is where I stand right now? And so many of us, we don't, we don't want to get to the reality of where we stand because it's just easier to, to just kind of slough that problem off and ignore it. But, but the truth is, is that I think a lot of us don't get real because we don't really believe that God can transform us. We don't believe that, that this idea that, that Christ can make all things new when I accept him and he can change my life, but because we haven't seen the instantaneous that we're so used to in society, we automatically disregard it and say like, oh, that, that must not be real. And so therefore, I can't be real. And therefore, I'm just gonna really just continue on this path. And, and, and I started asking myself this question is, do we really wanna change? Or do we all just wanna be looking like we're attempting to change? Do we really want to change our lives or do we just want to put on the mask and the idea and the smile of like, man, I got it going on and I'm looking like I'm doing well, but inside my life is falling apart. Inside my life is crumbling. My finances are a mess. My relationships are in turmoil. I mean, the, my kids, they're running wild, but when they come in, man, I'm going to grab them by the ear and make sure that like before we get out of that car, they're going to be holy. The reality is, is probably most of us are just okay with appearances. And, and that's really, really a sad state because I think that really we're just afraid of the idea that we can change. We're afraid of the idea of what our life might look like if it isn't our current reality because that's all we've ever known is what we're currently at. And I think the biggest problem is, is for most of us, our desire to hide is greater than our desire to change. You know, I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever lived with secrets, but there's nothing lonelier in this world than living with secrets. There's nothing that's more just gripping and just will keep you isolated from other people than the secrets 
you live with. And when it comes to our family and when it comes to our screw-ups and when it comes to the, the things that we've done, it's so easy for us to live in secret in those things. It's so easy for us to just want to suppress those things and act like they don't exist rather than face the reality of them and, 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 and see that, man, there is hope for change if we would address those things, if we would get real with those things. And, and, and we re- really, what happens is when we suppress those things, what we end up doing is we end up living with all this guilt and all this shame and all this, this junk in our lives, and we're wondering where does that stuff come from? And we, th- and we think that our life with guilt and shame is way easier than living a, a life of being real and transparent. And I know that this is, this is true for myself. It's, it's so much easier to, to hide than it is to change. In fact, you know, um, about six years ago, a lot of you guys have heard part of this story, but uh, I'm going to be a little bit more real with it. You know, we were, we, Shayla and I were practicing to have kids, and, um, and, and if, you, if you're married, like, I encourage you to practice to have kids. It's one of the most enjoyable events of your life, and, uh, and so we're, like, we're, like, we're, like, when you want to have kids, like, you get on a schedule, uh, and so there's, like, a schedule to it and stuff, and then you throw in some extra ones in there just for the fun of it, and, um, and so, like, we're going through this, and, like, you know, Month after month after month, it would come about, you know, that time of the month where you'd be like, are we pregnant? Is this the time? And like every month, it would be like this huge, huge letdown. And we'd be like, what's up with that? Like, I don't understand this. And we'd try again. And, and finally, we went about a year doing this. And we said, you know what, maybe, maybe we should go check out our stuff and make sure it's all working right and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we started going to doctors and we started getting tested and, 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 uh, and come to find out through a whole bunch of series of events, um, you know, doctors said that there's, there's really no chance in the world of, of us ever having kids. And, and I, would, I would go and I would tell this in a church service or something. And after service, almost 99.9% of the time, this is what would happen, is everybody would run to Shayla and start telling her stories about how somebody's friend or somebody's coworker or some cousin's brother, sister's aunt's uncle's friend who they kind of knew, God miraculously gave them a baby, like trying to give her hope because automatically everybody assumed that it's Shayla's problem. And instead of uh, kind of being real with people and, and saying like, hey, you know, it's not really Shayla's problem. I just let them do that because it was easier to hide in the fact that everybody thought something was wrong with Shayla than it was to think that everything was wrong with me. And I think a lot of us do the same thing in our lives. It's easier to hide than it is to change and to be transparent and to be authentic in that moment and to go, you know what, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have some problems in life. It's okay to have some junk in our lives. And it's all our human nature to cover those things up. I mean, it started in the very beginning. It says in Genesis 3, verse 7, it says that at the moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And so they sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves from the very beginning, you know, the Adam and Eve, as soon as sin entered the world, as soon as they screwed up, the first thing they did is when their eyes were open, when they had this realization, realization that there was shame and that there was guilt, their first inclination was to hide. Just like my first inclination was to hide. The reality is, is that I have a very rare disease called sickle cell syndrome or Sertoli cell syndrome. I always get it wrong. Sickle cell sounds way worse than Sertoli cell syndrome. 
I'm still in denial. <laughs> but it was, it's way easier than it to hide than it is to, to be real and hide behind the fake and the inauthentic. And it gets really easy for us. And I, and I think it's on that day that every person learned this natural inclination to say one thing and mean another. To put on a mask and not be authentic. It's the day that, that everybody learned when you get the question, hey, how are you doing? The automatic answer is, I'm fine. Because it's easier to be fake and it's easier to stay the same than it is to change. And the reality, we all know that it isn't true. We aren't fine. Deep down, we're hurting. Deep down, we're broken. Deep down, we're lonely. Deep down, we're longing for something more. We're just so scared to be authentic that we're gonna miss out. And so what we do is we hop from book to book, we seminar to seminar, church to church, hoping that somewhere along the line, we're gonna find this secret idea or the secret way that all of a sudden is gonna change everything without us having to do anything. And that just is not reality. It's just not reality. In fact, this week, I did, this, this really taught me a lot. Um, I, was, I was, last weekend, I was cleaning the house. Shayla was gone for Saturday, and I was cleaning up our house. And, and it's not something I do really well. But one of the things I hate about cleaning up our house is sweeping the floor. We have wood floors in our house. And, and I don't know about you guys, but any, anybody out there ever swept some floors before? Have you noticed when you're sweeping floors and you're trying to get the dust into the dustpan that there's always like that little line of dust there? It's like, how the heck do you get rid of that freaking crap? Like, your house is never completely clean. Like, you, you go from a different angle. You go get a different broom. But you're like, maybe this broom will work. And you're sweeping it in there. And like, no matter what you do, there's no way you can get that, that line of dust up. And I actually, I went and looked it up. There's actually a word for that line. It's called frust. F-R-U-S-T. It's a word of dust and frustration because that's exactly what it is. And it always leads to like weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's like a, a pathway straight to hell. Like if you get fixated on that. A lot of us, the, the things that are in our lives are a lot like frust. You know, we try to do everything that we can to cover them up, to get rid of them. And at the end of the day, there's always that little bit left. And, and the last thing that we do is we grab a carpet and we just go. And we hope that nobody notices that that is there. And that it doesn't come out until the next time we try to clean it up. But here's the good news. The good news of all of this is that from the very moment that humanity fell into sin, God's plan, God's passion for all of us has been to redeem us and to restore us to the life for which we are made. That's been his goal, that's been his MO, that's been his passion, that's been his joy. And this act of grace, this act of forgiveness, this overwhelming love that he has for us is not something that we can go and we can earn and that we can attain. It's a free gift to us that we can't do anything to get that we just have to receive. That we just have to get outside of ourselves and, and go, God, I understand that you wanna give this and this is something that I need to focus on. And that's really what I wanna focus on today is I wanna focus on is, is how do we start to receive what God has for our lives so that we don't have to live in this state of living with frost 
living with these things. And how do we do that? And last week we talked about, you know, that we're going we're gonna to have to let God transform our pain rather than us continuing to transfer it. And this week we're going, man, we got to be okay with not being okay. And so we're going to look at the life of David. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 32, if you don't have a Bible, you can look in your worship guide. If you don't have a worship guide, you can look up at the screen. If you don't have that, you can get on your phone and go to version and look there as well. Like we got lots of options. If, if you've got something, we've got an option for you. And so the life of David, if you don't know much about David, David was a shepherd who eventually became a king. And he had all kinds of amazing things happen in his life from slaying giants to becoming king to, to raising up this band of amazing men that loved him and loved God and were willing to do whatever it takes. And he accomplished some great things in his life, but he also had some major, major failures. I mean, he, he had an affair with a, a, a married woman, and in order to cover it up, he had her husband come in, and, and when he didn't want to have sex with his wife because he was trying to honor the rest of his soldiers, he had him murdered. I mean, he's got some junk and some baggage in his past. And in the midst of that, David really, really explains to you and I, how do we move from this place of it's, not, it's, it's okay to not be okay? How do we start to transform that pain? How do we allow that pain to go in our lives so that we can become truly the person that God wants us to come? And, and really, this is, a, this is where he's writing in the book of Psalms about his, his place from confession to forgiveness. And I think it's so powerful. Starting in verse one, Psalms 32, it says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight, Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of all guilt, whose lives are in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand discipline, of, discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all of my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the flood waters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. I was reading this and, and I was thinking about this idea of confession, which is, which is a lost art in our society, which is a lost thing that we don't, we don't like to confess, we like to deny. And, and I started thinking about why, why do we need confession in our lives? I mean, a lot of us think that the reason we confess is because that's some way to like appease God, like that's, that's gonna like make God happy. And David goes, no, 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 no. That's not what confession is for. Confession isn't to make God happy. See, confession, if you look back at verse one, it says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. He said, man, listen, there's this blessing that is there. There's something that God wants to do in your life. There's something that God wants to transform in your life. And it starts with this idea of confession. And when you confess, man, this is something that's gonna transform your life. It isn't for God, it's for you. And the blessing that's there isn't the kind of blessing that we like to think about that we want from God. Notice David didn't say like the blessing wasn't like a financial blessing or it wasn't like a better job or it wasn't a more uh, fulfilling career. He said, man, the blessing inside of here is that, man, that, that God can heal us. 
See, all those other things that we're chasing after, that we're longing for, that we want for our lives, you know, the plan for our life that we're all chasing after, like that isn't gonna heal you in your life. The thing that's gonna heal your life is the very thing that you need to do, which is get real before God because David understood a fundamental problem that we all face isn't some other kind of problem, it's a spiritual problem. He understood the fact that confession isn't doing something about our sin, Rather, it means admitting that we can't do anything about our sin. Look at verse 3. He says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. In other words, when I kept silent, when I was hiding out, when I wasn't talking about it, when I was keeping it a secret, man, I felt like I was dying inside. And I know a lot of you guys, you're going through things right now where you feel like, man, I'm dying inside. Because there's so many things in our life that we keep silent about. Whether it be the financial problems that we're facing right now, maybe the family turmoil that we're, we're experiencing in this moment. Maybe, maybe it's some sort of addiction. Maybe it's a sexual addiction. Maybe it's some sort of compulsive habit that we have that we're constantly dealing with in our lives. And, 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 and while silence in the moment seems like it's, man, the best and it's the safest and it's the, the easiest route to take in the long run, it, it ends up being the most destructive thing in our life. And let me just say this, because I know this. A lot of us think that confession has to do with talking about something that we've done, uh, something that we've committed ourselves. But I think a lot of times, a lot of us are dealing with hurt and pain. We've had experiences of things that were done to us. It wasn't even things that we've done. We had no choice in that matter. And something happened to us. And the healing that's gonna come from God is gonna come from you admitting that something happened in your life, you coming forward. And I think somewhere along the way, we've picked up this idea that, man, we should be beyond this. As Christians, we should be beyond being hurt. We should be beyond being in pain. And, and, and some of us, man, we've just been hurt really, really, really deep. And it's been emotional, and it's been physical, and it's been, it's been just detrimental to the health of our lives. And what we do a lot of times is we just say, oh, that was in my past. But we got to remember that if our past is not our past, if it's still impacting our present. And some of us, a lot of us, our past is not our past because it is impacting our present. And what we do is, is we start to lie to ourselves and, and people we love and people we should trust, we start to tell them something that's different than the current reality of our life. And we say things and we hope that they never figure it out, but yet there always seems to be a little bit of anger, a little bit of pain, a little bit of frustration. And people always say like, man, there's something edgy about that person. And you can never really put a finger on it because they're constantly trying to cover up one thing after another in their lives, hoping that nobody will ever see the secrets that are hiding behind closed doors. And, and while we're doing that, we're telling ourselves over and over and over again that we're fine. And it's easy to tell yourself over and over again that you're fine. I mean, it's really easy to live in self-deception. You start lying to yourself, and then you start believing your lies. And self-deception kind of goes two ways. Firstly, it's inward, and then it's outward. We gotta, we gotta convince ourselves, and then we gotta convince other people. And what we do is we just continually do that. And what we fail to realize is that sin and darkness thrives in self-deception. 
That's where it thrives. When, when it's in the darkest place, that's where sin grows the most. It's kind of like mold. Mold grows in dark, wet places. And if you don't take care of it, man, it will just overtake an entire room or an entire house. And it's so easy for, that to, for you to just continue to deny it and to let that happen. It reminds me a lot of, uh, I'm, a, I'm from the Chicago area, and, and I love the White Sox. Any White Sox fans in the house? No, probably not a single White Sox fan. Like if I said Cubs, like I don't know why people love the Cubs. They suck, um, and yet people like them. And so like we're not very good right now, but we are better than the Marlins. And so uh, it doesn't take much to do that. So uh, and on, the, on the back side of where old Comiskey Park uh, is in the south side of Chicago, there was all these old brick buildings. And in the early 80s, um, there was this story that, of, of what happened in one of those buildings. One night, um, there was a huge fire in one of the row houses that were back there of, of apartment buildings. And there was hundreds of people in there. And, and they evacuated all the people out of this house. And um, as, you know, when you're in the middle of the hood, like everybody shows up to see what's happening when like a fire is going down. Like, so the entire neighborhood is out um, to see what's happening. And, and as the firefighters are trying to fight this fire, they've pretty much given up hope of saving this building. You know, they're kind of out there with their hoses just from a distance. And, and this lady runs up and she's hysterical. And she's like, oh my gosh, my baby is inside. I went to the store to get some groceries and I left my newborn in the crib on the third floor. Somebody's got to go up there and get my baby. I've, I've got to get up there. And she's trying to run into the building and the firefighter's like, no, you can't go in there. It's way too dangerous. Like there's just no way that you can go in there. And one of the firefighters is like, you know what? I'll go back in the building and try to find this baby. And she goes, okay, this, you go up the stairs and you get on the third floor and it's like the third door on the left. You'll go inside and make two rights. And there's a crib there the baby should be in there and so the firefighter goes up gets to the third floor and when he opens the door to the third floor like the entire third floor is filled with smoke and so he crawls on his hands and his knees into there and he's feeling for doors and he finally he finds the third door opens it up and like there's fire blazing inside there goes inside he can't see anything because the place is filled with smoke and just jumps in the crib grabs the baby wraps it up in the in the in the sheets and stuff that are there and crawls all the way back out And as soon as he gets out of the front door of the building, the front of the building collapses and everybody goes freaking berserk. Like they're like, oh my gosh, this guy just saved the baby. And the mom is hysterical and she's she's just going crazy. And the firefighter's walking out with the baby just wrapped up and the mom runs over and he hands the, the mom the baby and she opens it up only to realize that it's the baby doll and not the baby. She grabbed, the firefighter grabbed the wrong thing. It looked real. It felt real. It seemed real. What a lot of us are doing in our lives is we grabbed onto this baby of our hurt and our pain. We've been lying to ourselves saying it's the real thing. And it's hurting us really, really bad. What we need to do is we need to start looking at our situation and saying, being real with what it really is. Like I've been grabbing and living for the wrong thing for a long time. 
And the healing that I need is only going to come through the confession of being honest with where I'm really at in my life. A lot of us, we've, we've missed out on being real. Because being real is the first step. I grew up in an alcoholic family, and, and I dealt with a drinking problem. And I remember going to AA meetings. And it was so weird to me that in the beginning, people would go around and they would stand up and they'd go, Hi, my name's TJ. I'm an alcoholic. And everybody would go, Hi, TJ, and they would cheer for me. I realized that in that moment that it was the biggest step that we can possibly take is confessing that we have a problem or that we have an issue. And for some reason, in church, we try to act like we don't have any problems. and We don't have any issues. And Jesus spoke to this very thing in Matthew chapter 23. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you hypocrite, you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus says that in this community called the church, in this community called Coastal Community Church, the propensity and the tendency for all of us is to put on a show and put on a facade and act like we have it all together. But Jesus said, man, if you really want to do what I'm talking about, if you really want to experience healing, you really want to experience life change, it's going to come from being okay with not being okay and being authentic in the midst of your junk. And in that community, because people are being real, people aren't going to judge, they're going to embrace. And you're going to see the greatest transformation take place in your life because, because Jesus, what he was all about was he was all about healing. He was the great physician. I mean, everywhere you look throughout the gospel, everywhere that Jesus went, healing took place. I love reading through the, the book of Matthew and, and, and really Matthew's calling because Matthew gets called in, in Matthew chapter 8 and chapter 9. And right where Matthew gets called, ver, chapter 8 and chapter 9 is all about the miracles of Jesus. He's healing paralytic people. He's healing um, people that are demon-possessed. He's healing blind people. He's healing lame people. All of this healing's going on. It's what everything is about. And right in the middle of that he calls Matthew and says, hey, come follow me. And I think that the reason Matthew wrote that section of scripture right there and why he put himself right in the midst of all of those physical healings is because Jesus was all about healing, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. And he said, man, I was jacked up, I was messed up. And Jesus didn't heal me physically, but what he did was inside of me, man, the hurts and the pains and the distrust and the brokenness that I had, man, he restored and he renewed me. And God wants to do the same thing in your life. If you'll just allow him to, if you'll just give him the opportunity to do that. And that's why I think that when we do that, all of a sudden God transforms our life. That's why David, at the end of this prayer, he doesn't end it with sorrow. He doesn't end it with guilt. He doesn't end it with shame. He ends that in verse seven, going back to that. He says, for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Why? Why does he end it like that? Why does he have victory? Because he knows he's been forgiven. 
He knows that he's been restored. His lustful acts, man, those things have been forgiven. Man, his shady ways, those things have been forgiven. His brokenness has been forgiven. That hypocrisy that he was living with, it's been forgiven. And if we'll just get to the cross of Christ, and we'll just get to that place where Jesus was stretched out before all of humanity, broken and naked, taking your sin, your shame, your guilt, all the things that you're festering and holding onto inside, and he exposed it to everybody else so he could cover up everything in your life. And this story of redemption that we're constantly talking about here isn't just for Jesus. It isn't just for a certain amount of people. It's for every person. And the story of redemption doesn't have to just be my story. It doesn't just have to be somebody else's story. God is trying to make it your story. It's will. You dive in and allow him to transform your pain by being honest about where you're at, that it's okay to not be okay and say, God, this is where I'm at. Transform me. Do something with the brokenness of my life. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you here today. I know that a lot of us are are not okay. There's been hurt. There's been pain. There's been things that we've done. There's been things that have been done to us and it's so easy to hide and deny rather than expose and change. But this is what I know, is where secrets live in our life, intimacy dies. And we can never experience the relationships that we wanna experience, that we can never experience the love that we wanna experience, that we can never experience the life that we wanna experience without getting real. There's an old saying that says, confession is good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. I think that that's one of the worst things ever. I think that confession is just good. Because it changes everything. Because you have a starting place now. Maybe you're out there today. And maybe you've never made the most important confession of all. And that's that Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross for your sin and for your shame and for your pain, for your brokenness, so that you could have life and you could have it more abundantly. And li listen, today is a moment, today is an opportunity. There's something going on inside of your heart right now. Like there's this tug, there's this weird feeling and you're like, man, I don't know what that is. That is God trying to speak to you today. That's God trying to do something in your life to transform your pain rather than allowing you to continue to transfer it in things in your life. And today, maybe you're out there and you say, you know what? That's a decision I need to make. I need to make, I need to confess that Christ is gonna be my Lord. Or maybe you fell away from church and you're just coming back and maybe you did that a long time. Maybe you need to reconfess that and make that an anthem for your life. And maybe you're out there today and that's you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just slip your hand up real quick, I'd love to pray with you. Yes, sir, thank you. Yes, yes, ma'am, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Thank you. 
And if you'd just pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. God, thank you so much that 2,000 years ago, you sent your son to die on a cross. For my sin, for my shame, for my guilt. He exposed it all to cover me. And three days later after he died, he rose again, defeating death, defeating the grave, defeating all that junk that has been defeating my life so that I could be called a son or a daughter. And today, I confess you as my Lord. God, thank you so much for those people that made that decision. God, I know that there's some other people that are out there that are dealing with some things. God, I pray that today they would make their confession to you, that they'd say, God, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm struggling with, and I'm going to get real, and I'm going to get authentic with you. And then, God, I pray that they would get real and authentic with somebody else so that they can help them walk through this season of life. And that, God, you would bring healing and restoration to those areas. God, it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Thank you.